Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, goes on the end zone, hot ball, touchdown Tampa Bay! Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in! It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up in the head. Hey, Derek Brooks, 30. Up to the 29. He's Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons, cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. NFL football has returned. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers do play football this weekend on the road, and this time it is for real, taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Very excited for this game, but before we dive in today's First season preview, uh, first game preview episode of the season. Jesus, off to a great start. Uh, before we dive into that, Evan, let me ask you how you're doing. Yeah, I'm. I'm well, I'm doing better with, than, than you are with words. Um, but uh, yeah, so got to watch actual live NFL football last night, which if you're listening to this on Saturday before the game, we are recording this on Friday. So that's why I explained last night. But yeah, excited for a full slate of NFL football to finally be back this weekend. Yeah, it's easy to get in your own head sometimes, and uh, that's exactly what happened there. But before we get into the game, I wanted to get everyone caught up on the latest from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers injury report. Uh, Kalijah Kansi, the rookie defensive lineman, is who we have all been curious about these last two weeks or so. He has been practicing. He was a full participant in practice today. But now the bigger question mark, just a couple of days before his NFL debut That is rookie offensive guard Cody Malk, who popped up on the injury report yesterday and missed practice on Thursday with a back injury, missed practice again today with a back injury, which is not a great sign uh, for people hoping he could trend upwards before the game on Sunday. Todd Bowles said just a few minutes ago to the media that rookie Cody Malk is dealing with back spasms and they will see how he feels on Sunday. So have not ruled him out of this game. But if you're a rookie looking to make your first official NFL start, uh, this is not the best news to hear. No, and then obviously going backwards, right? Uh, being able to practice on Wednesday, not even being, I believe, not even listed on the injury report on Wednesday, and then uh, not practicing on Thursday. And the big one is if you don't practice on Friday. Like a lot of times, um, if you're missing two consecutive days of practice and those two consecutive days are Thursday and Friday, most I mean, there is a chance, but most likely you're not playing. So um, we'll have to wait and see if he does play. Todd Bowles obviously said it depends on how he feels, but I also don't think the Buccaneers want to really take any chances. So, yeah, while Kalaja Kansi returned first-round pick, it appears that their second-round pick could actually be the one that's out. And also, like, thing about Canty too is like there's no guarantee he plays either like we, we got to remember this is a guy who missed pretty much all of training camp and he missed the entire preseason so he's gonna need a few practices to get under his belt and I just don't know if he's gonna be able to go out there uh, and play against Minnesota I think it's an encouraging sign for sure but he just started practicing again so I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say he's gonna go out there and play right away 
Yeah, Cody Malk, obviously an integral part to what they want to do on that offensive line. And he's critical not only because of the right side of the line being a weakness, as we saw in the preseason with Luke Gedeke not being the strongest at right tackle. Um, but if they want to run the ball, they're going to run to the ball to the right side. And I mean, Nick Leverett is the next guy behind Cody Malk on the depth chart. He has the experience factor, uh, but Malk was your starter for a reason. And the Bucks were obviously confident with what he brought to the table. So still very much a chance he plays on Sunday, but we will just have to wait and see. So uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. also back at practice for Tampa Bay expected to play. And that's good because he kind of had a weird lingering injury I think from that Jets game, the second preseason game onward, uh, I think at the joint practice, he may have been injured, but he kind of had a lingering deal, and it seems like people are feeling better about his status for this week, which is obviously a huge boost for this Buck secondary. Yeah, you you pretty much said it right there. It's, it's massive. Uh, one of their best players, not just on defense, but on the team. So to be able to get him back and... This is going to be Anton Winfield's first time playing in Minnesota since his college days. So a little bit of a homecoming for Anton Winfield Jr. here as well. So And obviously his father played uh, a couple years for the Vikings, had a couple really good years for the Vikings. So uh, will be a nice little homecoming for Winfield there. Let's go ahead and dive into this game. Obviously the pressure on for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone coming into this game seemingly. Baker Mayfield making his debut at quarterback. Todd Bowles, another year. Some people would say he's under the hot seat. Uh, Dave Canales making his debut as a play caller and offensive coordinator for Tampa Bay. There is a lot riding on this game for, for not only how people are going to feel over the next few weeks because we talked about on the season prediction show it was a tough first four games for the Bucs. Uh, this is a tough matchup, but I mean, everyone's just getting back into the groove of things, right? Like, it seems like, I don't want to say we're going to see some ring rust, but it is week one for everyone. I mean, we just watched the Kansas City Chiefs, who did have some injuries. We did watch them lose to the Detroit Lions on Thursday night football. So, you know, for the Bucks coming into this game, I believe Minnesota is six-point favorites at home. So the Bucks obviously coming into this game as the underdogs. But they have a lot to prove. And uh, I want to start by talking about what they're going to need to do on offense because Baker Mayfield is going to be the talk of the town. Uh, Before we talk about Baker and and how Dave Canales can bring that to the forefront, I wanted to talk about this run game and kind of get your thoughts on where it is coming into this game. Now, obviously, it seems like if anything at all is going to work on the offensive side of the ball, they have to establish the run game. Like, that's, that's my first key of the game at this point. It seems like common sense, but... Establish the run game. You got to put these guys to work. It, not only, I mean, with or without Cody Malk, you still have an incredibly young offensive line who I think are going to dictate the entire game. Like, if this offensive line is bad, um, I don't want to say this could get out of hand for Tampa Bay, but, you know, Minnesota, Brian Flores at the defensive coordinator position, the pressure is going to be on. Uh, Brian Flores likes to take a page out of Todd Bull's book. He's going to blitz. He's probably going to blitz over 30, 40% of the game. So so not only is your offensive line going to have to be ready, but your blitz pickups are going to have to be ready. You know, your substitutes coming in are going to have to know what they have to do. If the Bucks go 12 personnel, everyone's going to have to pick up their assignment so nothing goes wrong. Um, but for all of that to work, the offensive line has to show up. And one of the things that they have to do well is not only play well for any passing downs, but help establish the run. Um, you know, a commitment to the run early can obviously help everything else run smoothly. And there's a lot of question marks on the roster still. And I think, I think even just establishing the run early with Rashad white, who's probably going to get most of the work is, uh, is going to go a long way into showing people what to expect from these guys. Cause it, it, it feels like there's a lot of things that are entirely uncertain until we see how they play out on Sunday. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And, and you'll get some answers on Sunday, but I don't even believe, like, you probably won't even get all the answers. Like, I, I think we're going to sit there at that bye week and maybe have a lot of the answers to the questions that we currently have, uh, especially around the offensive line, which is a completely reshuffled group. So, and obviously, they're not off to a great start if Cody Mount can't play. Um, you know, I know that he struggled a little bit in the preseason. I know there's some that are like, eh, like, is he, you know, uh, going to be a good starter right away? Regardless, he was listed as a starter for a reason. 
So that must mean he was playing better than a guy like Nick Leverett, who's likely to fill in for him. So the Buccaneers may have just downgraded on one of the guard spots, potentially, if Mount can't play. So not off to a great start. Um, but you are right that they need to establish a, a run game. Uh, we all know about the Buccaneers' run game from last season. One of, the, I believe, the worst in NFL history. So you can't really do much worse. I guess. I mean, I get. Well, I guess they could, but um, I, it is important uh, also to set up play action, to set up those rollouts that we know that Dave Canales is probably going to want to do a good bit uh, with Baker Mayfield. There, uh, I do think it's important to establish a run now. I, I, you know, you heard Bucks fans all the time. Well, Byron Leftwich always runs it on first down and stuff. So I'm curious to see the the balance that Bucks fans, or I guess I should say the leash that Bucks fans did uh, give Dave Canales because they're, look, they're going to run the ball even more than they did last year. And there were some people that thought they ran the ball too much last year on first down. So uh, I am curious to see how much Bucks fans like are lenient. With Dave Canales, I guess if it works, they won't really mind. But uh, if it doesn't work, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I do think establishing a run and also keeping that Minnesota offense off the field, uh, being able to control the clock, control the game uh, is pretty important in this one, too. Uh, the running back usage is something I have on my notes I wanted to cover. You know, I'm not only curious to see how Rashad White's going to be used, because for the Bucks, it seems like given everything that they brought into the running back position, Throughout the offseason, you know, the opportunities that they had to pick up some guys on waivers. Uh, they didn't bring anyone else in. We got Rashad White running back one. Chase Edmonds running back two. Well, Chase Edmonds slash Sean Tucker running back two, I suppose, even though Sean Tucker is listed as two on the depth chart. And then uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is somewhere in purgatory right now, but probably not going to get too many offensive reps, I would assume, this coming season. So this is it. And what I'm curious to see is, like, we know Rashad White's going to get a good chunk of work. He's been described as more of a north and south runner, so like he can catch a couple of passes out of the backfield, but I think the Bucks are going to just hand him the football right up the gut most of the times. Uh, so when you see Sean Tucker and when you see Chase Edmonds on the field, are you going to see a different approach to that run game? Are you going to see some more of that outside zone stuff that we have not seen from a Bucks running back in four-plus years, it feels like? Because that's the stuff that's going to ultimately set up the play action for Baker Mayfield later on in the game because... We'll talk about play action in Baker Mayfield, and the biggest difference between him and Tom Brady is that the play action with Baker Mayfield, from what we've seen with Dave Canales, they want to get him outside the numbers. They want to get him outside the pocket. They want to get him on the move because that's when he plays his best. So all of that to reel this back in. Uh, what kind of running back usage do you expect for the guys who are not named Rashad White, and how creative could they get for Rashad White? Yeah, I'm interested to see that because, like you mentioned, Sean Tucker's listed as the running back, too. Um, I think we could see Chase Edmonds in on some third downs. Uh, he's just, he's got a good acceleration, good speed. So, and whether it's a short yardage situation, like Rashad White, like I, I know the thing about the 2022 bucks was like, oh, it's a third and one or fourth and one. They're going to run it and not get it with Leonard Fournette. Rashad White came in and did a little bit better, but like wasn't perfect. And, and Sean Tucker, you know, is described as like this sort of power back with, with with good speed. So I'm curious to see if he's in any of their goal line packages or uh, any of their third and short, fourth and short packages there. So as far as the usage goes, I would expect to see a good bit of Rashad White. I don't think it's going to be like a full on running back by committee. I think they believe in Rashad White that that's evident. You know, they had an opportunity to, to draft a running back fairly early. Didn't do it. Um, had an opportunity to probably sign a couple other guys other than Chase Edmonds. Didn't do it. Had to, had the opportunity to keep Leonard Fournette and didn't do it. So um, I, I do think that they believe in Rashad White, and so I would expect him to get the bulk of carries and, and just snaps in general. But wouldn't shock me if you saw a, a little bit of Sean Tucker and Chase Edmonds out there as well. Just a sidebar. Todd Bowles already described it as yesterday's news, so I have to think it's a nothing burger, but. What's going on with your boy Sneak? Huh? Keyshawn Vaughn had an unexcused absence at practice um, for personal reasons. We're not going to delve too deep into that. Um, but for what that means and the questions that were brought up about his status on the team, we've talked before about he's kind of the odd man out in that running back room. A lot of people are already calling him one of the worst Jason Light draft picks of all time. 
is he going to make it to the end of the season on this roster? You know, is is his spot on special teams the only thing really helping him out right now? Uh, what what's going on with your boy Sneak? I'll tell you, he must be a darn good special teams player because, um, I mean, to be able to do that and it's for personal reasons, okay. But the big key there was Todd Bowles made it very clear that it was an unexcused absence from practice. So that means that he did not come with the to the Buccaneers and say, "Hey, on this day, I, I just I'm not going to be here. I, I'm sorry, I, I can't be here." Uh, okay, you know, that means that he did not either not tell anybody or he told somebody and that somebody said no, they'd be here and he didn't show up. So yeah, not great and. You ask whether or not he's going to be on the roster. I I imagine because, like, to me, I thought he, if he was going to get cut, like, why wouldn't it have been now? Like, to me, like, it's kind of inexcusable um, on your, your the game week of the first week of the season, uh, the first practice, you, you decide not to show up. And we don't know the reason, right? I know a lot of people have speculated that, oh, it's because he's unhappy, he's running back four, he's this and that. Could be. It, it very well could be, but we don't know the exact reason. It could be, it could have been something with his family or, or something. Either way, though, it was an unexcused absence from practice, and you know, I, I don't think the team could take that lightly. Now, um, he did return to practice, did a little bit of special teams work. Does he last the entire season? Anything can happen. I would say probably because if he's lasted this long through all this, I would imagine they just keep him for another 17 more weeks. Um, but you'll have to wait and see. I, I don't think he's going to get cut. But, again, you never know. And a player could from another team, a running back from another team, could unexpectedly get cut. And maybe that opens the door for the Buccaneers to make a move on somebody else like that. And maybe uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's the odd man out there. But regardless, not not a good look for Vaughn there. Talk about Baker Mayfield and what you expect for him week one. We already talked about the importance of establishing the run. I mean, that's just going to relieve everything I think he's going to have to do in the past game. But what are your expectations for what the Bucks' expectations probably are for Baker Mayfield this week? I, I can't imagine he goes out there and throws the ball more than 35 times. Um, unless it really comes down to it. But if everything goes according to plan, you know, play action rollouts is one of the things we had hinted at based off of what we've seen in the preseason. But what do you think the Bucks have in store for Baker? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do think you're right that, like, I think I would be surprised now. This also depends on the type of game it is, but like I'd be surprised if he's throwing the ball more than thirty-five times. Like, um, I think it's, it might even be uh, lower than thirty. I think that would probably be ideal for the Buccaneers, honestly. Um, but if it's a shootout, <laughs> you might have to. So I think that sort of depends on the type of game that's going on. Now, what you say about you know the rollout and stuff, I think you're going to see a little bit of that. Uh, but I'm curious. I I don't know. Like I don't know the answer, and I think that's what's curious about this offense is Dave Canales. Like in the preseason, you're not showing all your cards. Now he's going to show a little bit more of his cards, and for a full game as well. So um, I'm curious to see how they use Mayfield. We got a little bit of a sneak peek, but I, I am I am curious uh, to see the 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 complete show, right? The, the complete uh, body of work that Dave Canales and Baker Mayfield can put in uh, with a one, a full week of prep for a defense that you're actually like preparing on how to attack um, because that matters as well in the preseason. You're not really doing that. And also like, yeah, what what does it look like in, in the fourth quarter? What type of plays are Dave Canales dialing up when, you know, they're down four and they need a touchdown to take the lead with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter and they need this big drive. You know, what does Baker Mayfield look like? What type of play calls are happening out there? So uh, that's what I'm looking for. And I know it's, it's not really a great answer, but it's just, it's an unknown right now of what Dave Canales is going to be as a play caller and what Baker Mayfield's going to look like in this offense with Dave Canales as that play caller. So um, a lot of intrigue, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, all offseason is speculation about what the team's going to look like, but I feel like you you get to get the rest of it all in the final week before the first game because up until this point, like, we've got a taste, like you said. We just really don't know where they're going to go from here. 
Like we can tell you what we know a little bit about the Canales offense, but until you see it for a full 60 minutes, and it may even take longer than that, but until you see it every Sunday for a couple of weeks, you know, the, the, the tendencies, the, the tendency breakers as some people like to call them, you know, things like that, that you start to pick up week in and week out from watching a team. Um, it's going to take us a few weeks to figure that out. So a, a lot of speculation and a lot of uncertainty, but let me ask you this. I feel like we don't have to speculate as much. Mike Evans has been the talk of the town coming into this week. I mean, the Bucks have a little under 24 hours at this point uh, before the deadline that was set by Mike's agent to get a long-term extension done. Does not seem like at the time of this recording, it is something they will get done. If it is, then obviously we'll talk to you later on an emergency podcast. But, you know, I feel like these players can't pretend that's not at least a little bit of a distraction. Even for Mike Evans, like he, you know, guys like that, he's a leader on this team. I know he's locked in. And he even said that, like, listen, if the deadline isn't met, he is locked in on having the best season that he can for the Bucs. But if you're Mike Evans, if you're the players around Mike Evans, do you think they can do as good of a job locking in and, and kind of shutting off some of that outside noise that they have done in previous seasons? Because they were talked about a lot more in previous seasons. But when they were talked about, they were also talked about much more in a positive light. Uh, You know, aside from the Mike Evans conversation, people are talking about the Bucs being one of the worst teams in the league this year. So obviously players notice that. They've talked about it before. But do you think at any point this season, I mean, it's hard to gauge how the season goes as well because if they open up one and eight, then it's a different conversation, I think. But uh, do you think this is going to be an issue? Um, I, I don't know because I, I think you want, you set that deadline for the, the day before the regular season starts because you don't want it to be an issue during the season, right? Like once the season starts, you don't want to deal with it at all. Um, and really like, wouldn't even really be Mike Evans himself dealing with it a ton because like, in a lot of these negotiations, like, Unless you're representing yourself, like the, the player is rarely actually like physically talking to the team. It's it's the agent and the team is talking. So uh, I just don't think, you know, he wants any d- distractions there. Uh, and also, I think the reason or one of the reasons he wants us, you know, say, oh, well, you know, I'm focused on playing the, the best football I can. If he doesn't get the deal done by the deadline, he's going to be a free agent. So, yeah, you want to put your best body of work out there uh, right before you hit free agency for sure. So if he goes out there and stinks up the joint, well, he might not get the contract he's seeking then, especially, you know, a wide receiver over 30 years old who just had a down year. That's not going to work. So, uh, of course, Mike Evans wants to do well for the Buccaneers, but also, like, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's a business. Like it, it's a business. He wants to do that for himself as well. Like he's got to look out for himself. The Buccaneers are looking out for themselves. He's looking out for the, himself. So to me, I, I don't think it'll be a huge deal uh, unless like there starts to become rumbling. Let's say like the trade deadline, I believe is week eight. So let's say they're like one and six. And then there starts to be rumblings like, oh, like he's actually like he's not happy anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, he, he's ready to just put his head down and work. Like, no, no, no. Like he's not happy. Maybe a different story. That might be a different story on would that be a distraction or not. Uh, but I, but I think Evans has tried to handle this in a way that is as distraction free as possible. Because to me, the bigger distraction would be, oh, no, I'm going to carry out these contract negotiations throughout the season, and we're going to do this the whole time. And there's going to be ebbs and flows of the contract negotiation. And the Bucks low-balled him here, and Evans came in with a price that is just ridiculous. And the Bucks disrespected him with this, and Evans is out of his mind. You know, you'd read all the reports throughout the season. So I think that would be more of a distraction. So I think the way they did it, setting the deadline, I think that would was to serve as limiting the, the distraction and hopefully eliminating the distraction as well. 
as you mentioned, uh, the NFL is a business. You know, a lot of this comes down to not just Mike Evans, but the conversations that are had between Mike Evans' agent and Buccaneers' ownership slash management. That I mean, even in the statements that have been released, even Mike talking to the media, like it is completely out of his hands. Uh, he's not refusing to play games. He's not sitting out. I think I agree with what you said. And the way that he approached this was probably the most drama-free outcome he could have had. I know the deadline did seem a little abrupt and like kind of came out of nowhere, but I I guess they've been waiting to drop that for a while. You know, as we had talked about, the Bucks knew that that was going to be coming out. So Mike Evans and his agent very publicly telling people that uh, if a deal doesn't get done, he may look elsewhere. I mean, it's a tactic. It It is what it is. It's a it's a it's a business tactic to try and get Mike the most money he can possibly get on this contract because it is potentially the last opportunity he'll have to do that. Now, this is one of the last things we're going to say about it uh, until the potential trade rumors spark up seven weeks from now. But going into the season, I just want to say this about Mike Evans. You know, I'm as big of a Mike Evans fan as they come. You guys heard me talk about it last week when we uh, did that emergency podcast. So for the Bucks. This is just a case of bad timing. I mean, we already alluded to the other players on the roster that they have to pay. Chris Godwin is another $20 million a year wide receiver they're going to have to pay. And he's much younger than Mike Evans, who is going to be 31 this time next year. And uh, Greg Allman put this info bit out on uh, X slash Twitter and really summarizes the situation the Buccaneers find themselves in as we speak. Between $75 million in dead money and $20 million for Ryan Jensen and Russell Gage on injured reserve, the Buccaneers have 42% of their salary cap this year used on players who will not play for them this season. Probably ever again. I don't know if Russell Gage comes back. Ryan Jensen seemingly does not come back after the restructure of his contract. I mean, that is a pretty ridiculous number when you take a step back and, and you look at how much the Bucks had to not only overcome this offseason, but where they are now fielding the roster that they have, this right here is why they cannot pay Mike Evans before tomorrow. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And you know, it's unfortunate because Ryan Jensen, Russell Gage, like they were, they were supposed to be big parts of this offense. Like, and they were supposed to help. Um, and it just sucks that like, wasn't the Bucks' choice? Wasn't their choice? It just injuries happen, and when an injury happens, and you got a contract, you, you got to deal with the ramifications of it. So, like, yeah, it is a big factor of why they 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 can't sign Mike Evans. Um, the other big factor of why they have been trouble signing Mike Evans is we always say the bill comes right. Like, eventually, you kick the can down the road so long, you know, you keep kicking that can down that road, you're gonna find it eventually. Right. But like it's, it, or it's going to find you eventually. And this off season, the 2023 off season, it has, it has found the Buccaneers. And honestly, like, I'm not saying it'll be as like critical or as uh dire of a situation as it was last year where you're like, Oh my God, they have all these guys and they only got like $3 million to sign them. Like they relax. Like they found, they found a way to resign Levante David. They found a way to resign Jamel Dean. Um, but like, I think you could see another off season like that in 2024 where like, it's going to take maybe one more off season to really reset the books uh, for obviously the Brady's thing coming off uh, Jensen, the injury really complicates it with a dead cap and stuff and the restructuring of the contract. Russell Gage for the same thing. So um, I, I do think you could see another off season quite similar to this one where it's like, yeah, money's not going to be, uh, you know, it's not, you're not going to be going out for NC and signing, you know, a top five free agent at his position. So uh, hopefully they're able to get a deal done with Mike Evans. But uh, at the end of the day, and we don't want to seem cold here. Like I, Mike Evans deserves to stay in a Buccaneers uniform. I think that the Buccaneers should do whatever it takes uh, it with, within reason to, to get Mike Evans to stay in a Buccaneers uniform for life. But at the same time, it is a business. If Mike Evans believes he can be a, a top five paid wide receiver again in the NFL and he can go out and receive that contract the open market, go ahead and see. You know, like, like go ahead and see. The Buccaneers let Levante David at the market. You know, the Buccaneers let 
Um, Shaq Barrett technically hit the open market. They let Jamel Dean hit the open market. So they let Carlton Davis. Like, they've done this before. So, like, I don't think they're going to hesitate when it comes to Mike Evans. And the NFL, like you said, it's a game, but it's a game second. And it's a, it's a business first. And if you're an NFL GM and you're paying players on your team, when a player gets a contract in the NFL, from the point of view of an organization and a general manager, you are paying that player for what they can continue to do for your team, not for what yeah. they have already done. I mean, to a degree, yes, you pay them for what they have done. But I think the, the, real, them, the really good GMs can sort of project what they're going to do in the future. Right. And and if you are Jason Light and you look at your options at wide receiver and who you're going to have to pay in free agency, Mike Evans being one of the names on that list. Are you going to shell out more money for a wide receiver who is going to be 31 years old? Or are you going to maybe take some of that money and put more trust in a guy like Chris Godwin, who can probably produce for a couple more seasons than Mike Evans has left. I, I'm the biggest Mike Evans fan there is. Again, I agree with what you said. They need to do whatever they can to make sure he retires in the red computer, but not every... And also, like, like here's the thing. Like, okay, Mike Evans is going next season. When he's looking for the contract, he's going to be entering 31 years old. He's 30 now. We all saw what happened to, you know, God rest his soul, but we all saw what happened to Vincent Jackson when the sort of the burst and the speed went, right? He was never a speedster. He was a lot like Mike Evans. You know, a big body target, would be able to catch his 50-50 balls, was a deep ball guy, but wasn't a deep ball guy in the sense of a Deshaun Jackson where, like, he's just going to outrun you. Yeah, so what happens to Mike Evans if that goes in a year? And the Buccaneers have signed him for three or four year deals. Like, you know, we saw what Vincent Jackson was like that final, like two seasons, pretty much. And he was just not the same player. So I do think that at the same time, I think both can be true. Mike Evans should stay a Buccaneer for life. Also, the Buccaneers should be a bit cautious paying a wide receiver that's going to be 31 years old. And history has shown you. That when wide receivers hit the 30-year mark, they tend to slow down. I'm looking at a guy like A.J. Green. Like, A.J. Green is one of the top receivers in the NFL. Now, I mean, he is older than Mike Evans, but he's not the same player. Julio Jones. Julio Jones had a lot of injury stuff, so, like, maybe it's not as fair. But Julio Jones might arguably be one of the top receivers ever, like, in the history of the NFL. Once he hits 30 it kind of slows down for him. Like he's 34 now. Like we, we saw what he was, you know, in, in Atlanta in this final year, then in Tennessee that one year, then in Tampa last year, like it wasn't much. So like the Buccaneers may have to be a bit cautious with this. If Mike Evans was 28 years old, I bet you this deal's done already, but like, it just, it's complicated. I know it was long winded, but I brought up the Mike Evans situation because I wanted to lead it into our next question. The last thing we'll talk about on the offensive side of the ball, who is the wide receiver who's stepping up this week? Because obviously Chris Godwin is going to get his fair share of targets, uh, but Mike Evans is going to be double covered. Chris Godwin garners enough attention, has enough of a reputation to deserve to be double covered. So there's going to be a guy that steps up this week and it's, and it's going to be that underneath option. He's going to be the guy that you can dump off to in the flats who can pick up five, 10, 15, 20 yards uh, three, four times a game, which is going to do dividends against the defense. So who's it going to be? Is it going to be Devin Tompkins? Is that Trey Palmer hype train going to keep rolling? Is it going to be Rakeem Jarrett, who is on the Buccaneers depth chart for week one? Uh, who is that guy on the offense this week that you see kind of stepping up and, and I mean, maybe in the same vein as like a fantasy sleeper moving forward. Do you think there's a guy on the roster like that this week? Well, looking at the numbers from last year, the Minnesota Vikings allowed 266.9 passing yards per game, the Vikings defense. That is That was 31st in the NFL last year. So the Vikings defense was not good last year, their, especially their against the pass. Yeah, their secondary in particular is, is still kind of an issue headed into this week, too. Yeah, they, they lost Patrick Peterson. Uh, Patrick Peterson is now with the Steelers. Um, there's a lot of questions there. Right. I believe they signed Byron Murphy from Arizona. Good player. 
Um, but there is a lot of questions there. They drafted Lewis Seen last year. Uh, they're hoping another year of development for him. But this secondary may still have a lot of issues, and I think it's something the Buccaneers can exploit. You know, I, I want to say, oh, it's going to be Trey Palmer or David Moore is going to call up, get called up, and he's going to catch two touchdowns. I want to go with an under the radar guy, but it's just, I, I think it's got to be Chris Godwin. Like, I, you saw what it looked like uh, in the preseason against Baltimore. I know that the entire playbook was not there, but Mayfield targeted God, Godwin time and time again. Um, and I just, and he caught a touchdown. I just don't think that's going to change. I think Chris Godwin, if, especially if you're in like a PPR fantasy league, I think Godwin is a perfect option. Um, I, I think there was a reason why Chris Godwin in a lot of my PPR leagues that I did, uh, Chris Godwin was like very much so ranked higher than Mike Evans in PPR leagues. And, and that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans is a good player. But he's a very uh, touchdown-dependent fancy player, whereas I think if you're in a PPR league, I think Chris Godwin's going to get a ton of touches in this offense. Uh, now all, all, you know, almost two years removed from that torn ACL, uh, I think he's going to be ready to roll. And, and I just think Chris Godwin's going to be the guy. So if they're going to get rolling, I think they're going to need Chris Godwin to be that guy to, to step up because history – and look – a new year is a new year, right? It's a brand new year. It's a brand new Vikings defense, right? The, the 2022 numbers can provide context. They can't provide answers. So to open up the season, history has shown that there may be a lot of opportunities for a guy like Chris Godwin to be able to rack up some yards, especially if Mike Evans is garnering so much attention. Uh, and hey, maybe, yeah, maybe a Trey Palmer makes a splash player too, because maybe, you know, I'm sure they're not going to ignore Chris Godwin, so maybe Trey Palmer gets a mismatch and, and takes advantage of it as well. Yeah, the usage of Chris Godwin is another thing I'm curious about, and I'm excited for the trajectory he potentially has this coming season because the usage he had last year, it just felt dirty, right? Like, he got a lot of his yards on those screen passes. First and 10, uh, wide receiver screen to Chris Godwin, he picks up 15, 20 yards, right? And it and it worked. It didn't always work, and, and we saw it get exposed later on in the year when a lot of teams saw it coming, but... I feel like this year he has the opportunity to become a much bigger target for his quarterback. Not to say he wasn't a great target for Tom Brady because he loved him some Chris Godwin. I'm not saying that. The guy got over 1,000 yards last year. But the creativity and how he is used, right? Like, you you can agree with me that a lot of his a lot of his yardage last year, like, he really had to go out there and earn it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then that's why, like, uh, he's perfect for PPR. Like it's just, yeah. it's, 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 it's like good, PPR is it's it's points per reception. Like yeah, he's the he's the best yards after catch guy on the team. I would argue. And like you know, he catches seven balls. That's seven points right there. Like literally seven fancy points. And that's if he catches seven balls for zero yards. Like he catches seven balls and doesn't gain a single yard on any of them. That's seven fancy points. So if you have Chris Godwin in any of your leagues, uh, I would probably start him this week. So yeah, but uh, he was a big part of the offense last year. We all saw the screens, and like you mentioned, you know, and a lot of people got annoyed with them that there were too many screens. And I don't think those screens are really going to go away completely. I, I just don't uh, because a lot of the time they did work. Like I, I do think they worked, and obviously Dave Canales, uh, he's not an idiot. Like I think he's going to see that and realize that Chris Godwin can do this. Mike Evans maybe can't. Like, the screen game isn't really Mike Evans' type of game. Will they try it occasionally? Possibly, but um, I think if you're looking for that quick game, especially with an offensive line that may not be 100% or may not be that good, to be frank, honestly, Chris Godwin on, on a on a quick screen from time to time may not be a bad option. So I do think Chris Godwin's going to see a lot of usage in this offense this season and, and in this matchup on Sunday. I think we are going to see a lot of those quick developing plays from Dave Canales in this Buccaneers offense in week one. Uh, I mentioned it before, but I'll say it one more time before we talk about the defense. Brian Flores is going to turn up the pressure. He's going to blitz. He He is. He is. It's probably going to be one of the higher percentage blitzing defenses the Bucs are going to face this year, and that's a lot of pressure week one. So I think you're going to see a lot of those quick screen passes, you know, three-step drops, get Baker to the to the to all the way to the back of it, or 
to the top of his drop, excuse me, so he can get the ball out quickly. Uh, because not only does Baker play well on the run and outside the numbers, he plays well when he can get rid of the ball quickly. And, uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see what Dave Canales can draw up to counter some of that pressure. Hopefully the guys picking up some of those blocks can do their job as well. So let's talk about the other side of the football for Tampa Bay. Um, the first... I don't want to say the only conversation because it's obviously not, but it's going to be the only thing that every defense facing Minnesota is going to be thinking about. It's going to be Justin Jefferson. So let me ask you first and foremost, uh, not how do the Bucks stop Justin Jefferson because uh, they're not going to do that. They're just going to have to be aware of where he is on the field at all times. But, you know, not only do how do the Bucks address Justin Jefferson, but how do they address the rest of these weapons that, you know, these Minnesota fans are really, really excited about? You've got Addison at the other side, wide receiver. Um, you've got Hawkinson, you know, at tight end who just signed that mega deal. So Minnesota feels pretty good coming into this game about what they can do on offense. Yeah. And uh, it, it kind of seems like if the Bucks don't have an answer for them after the first quarter, I hate to sound negative because a lot of people say that you and I sound too negative lately, but if the Bucs don't have an answer for them after the first quarter, this is a game I think that could potentially get out of hand. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was I was basically going to say that, you know, like Justin Jefferson is going to get his, right? Like, Yeah, you're not going to let him. <laughs> let him get his. Like, he is going to get his. There's going to be some plays that he makes that are going to be big plays, whether it's on a third down or whether it's a big play down the field. Like, that's just who he is, right? He's the best receiver in the NFL. Could go, If he's still on this trajectory in, you know, three or four years, could go down as one of the best receivers of all time. The key is not letting the other guys do too much damage, not letting the Jordan Addisons, the TJ Hawkinsons, and KJ Osborne. I think KJ Osborne is like a perfect wide receiver three, just like in my personal opinion. Um, I just think he's just he's just a good player. Um, so I think that's the key here is, is to not let those other guys beat you. Don't let TJ Hawkinson get over a hundred yards receiving. Um you know, don't let Jordan Addison pretty much do whatever he wants. And it is, it's a big test for the Buccaneers secondary right out of the gate because Minnesota has, I think, an underrated group of pass catchers because this is where Jefferson helps, but he also hurts. He helps because, you know, him being there puts Minnesota in that conversation for pass catchers in the NFL. But it also hurts because I feel like a lot of the other guys get overlooked. Like TJ Hawkinson is a top five, top six tight end. Jordan Addison, I really like Jordan Addison coming out of school. Like I think his fit with Minnesota is pretty good. I think he could be a pretty good receiver there. Like Adam Thielen was a shell of himself the last like two seasons. He wasn't the same player. So I, I, think, I think Addison's presence is also a good counterpunch to Jefferson because Jefferson, I mean, he's all around talented, but he's going to burn you. Addison seems to fill out that that more physical wide receiver role that they they don't really have in that receiver room. I think. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, I would say you know his route running is is really 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 good. Um. As far as physical goes, I think he's only like five eleven, six foot. So, um, like I, he can go up and catch a ball. Like I, I watched USC a ton last year. Like I, I bet on USC a ton. So I, I watched them a ton and. He can go up and grab a 50-50 ball, and obviously I know that's college, but like he can do that too. And um, so I think it is a tough test. Really, really hoping that the Buccaneers can. You talk about potentially getting out of hand. You know, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Anton Winfield Jr. Anton Winfield Jr. was on the injury report this week. Sure, he's a full participant, but he was on the injury report. And in the past, Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean have both had issues with injuries, right? Lingering things. Maybe they have to come out a little bit. Sometimes they return. Sometimes they don't. If they go out in this game, I just I think the Bucks are screwed. Like if, if they, if Jamel Dean or Carlton Davis or Anton Winfield has to exit this game and not return, I just don't see a way this secondary is finding answers for this Minnesota pass catchers, um, which I want to add that to bring to 
the next point that we're going to make, because I do think the one way that it doesn't really, well, it does matter, but it doesn't matter as much of who you have in that secondary is if the Buccaneers can generate a pass rush. And I think that's, that's one of my concerns uh, this season. Like, Probably, I don't know what's more of a concern, the lack of depth in the secondary or the because they, they don't have a lack of depth and pass rush, lack, the pass lack rush, of experience. The, well, kind of, but the pass rush has the opportunity to really flop if Shaq Barrett doesn't come back from it, like he's not the same player from injury. Joe Trying still doesn't continue to develop. Like Yaya Diaby's a slow developer. Anthony Nelson's Anthony Nelson. What? Are, where are they getting these sacks from? Then, right. like, if all those things that like it has the potential to really blow up in their faces. So, I'm curious to see what the Buccaneers' pass rush looks like on Sunday. I think the strategy for that also might highlight just how much faith they have in a guy like Vita Vea. Because when you look at his reinforcements and the guys that they got playing around him, you know, Greg Gaines was their big free agent signing. Uh, aside from that, there's there's just no more of those big names, big established defensive tackles that you've heard of. Will Golston's still very much on this team, but you know what you're going to get with Will Golston. So, yeah, and that's not much pass, pass rush, rush nowadays. We talk about their potential to bring pressure with four. I got to think not only is a guy like Vita Vea going to be looked at all season long to open up some opportunities for you know, the edge rushers who may not always have the talent to get there. But for Minnesota in particular, when we apply it to this week, the interior offensive line is seemingly one of the biggest weaknesses they have on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, hopefully they can find a weakness and, and they can turn that into a confidence for themselves throughout the day. But I kind of agree with what you said. You know, when looking at this Bucks team, when looking at the roster on paper, it just feels like there's a lot of areas on this team where if 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 everything goes wrong, if Murphy's Law kicks in for that position group, which we have seen before, we have seen that before from Tampa Bay football, but if you get a worst-case scenario for your position group that day, it could be really bad for the entire team. Like, I, it... it, it I don't think I'm doing the best job of of describing what I mean. Well, no, like, like, there's a lot I mean, of there's look, a lot of look at, there's a lot of incredibly combustible elements on this football team. Look at the game last night. Like, are the Kansas City receivers going to have another game like that? Like, <laughs> you know, or, 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 was, or was like Murphy's Law? Everything that can go wrong did go wrong. Yeah, right. Like Travis Kelsey was out. Um, and then Kadarius Tony drops 15 balls and Donovan Smith with know, a crucial like, penalty, you know? I, yeah. Like, like, no, I'm, I'm talking about the, the receivers mostly, right? I like know, I'm just uh, the, that receiving group, everything that can go wrong did go wrong for them. There, there was guys open that were just, that were running routes uh, and they got tangled up and then they dropped the ball and just, it happens. And like, could it happen to the Buccaneers? Yeah. Like, we've seen it before with the Buccaneers. It's happened to other NFL teams. It's happened to other sports teams. Like, it's just sometimes, man, you're like, man, one of them years, right? It's just it's just cannot catch a break. You know, it, it was almost like Murphy's Law when the Buccaneers in 2021 uh, with their secondary. As soon as the guy, oh, you got Jamal Dean back. Well, Carlton Davis went there. Oh, Anton Winfield's back. Well, now Jamal Dean's down. Oh, you signed Richard Sherman. Okay, well, now Carl Davis and Jamal Dean are down, so Richard Sherman's your cornerback one. Like, it's just everything that can go wrong will go wrong, and hopefully it doesn't come to that. And is it likely? No, because, like, you know, there's a lot of factors, right? And the people that are predicting um, the Bucks to win two or, or three games, I think they're sort of counting on that Murphy's Law thing of, like, Dave Canales isn't going to gel. Baker Mayfield's Baker Mayfield. The offensive line won't be that good. Their pass rush is suspect, and their secondary, is, you know, the depth is is weak. It's true. Like all that stuff could be true. Like, but um, for this Bucks defense, I, I just I have faith in their starters. Like I do, but they are just incredibly thin. Uh, depth everywhere. And I think there are a few position groups on the team that are extremely volatile. And I just think that 
pass rush is probably the biggest one where like you might find and Minnesota's offensive line was like eh. Like they haven't been a great unit. Like they haven't been the worst unit in the world. They have a really good left tackle. They have a really yeah. good left tackle. Uh, you know, you know, Christian Darius saw them. Like you know, it's okay. Like it's an okay offensive line. Like it, it's an okay offensive line. But there will be opportunities to get to the quarterback, and you just gotta hope that the Buccaneers' pass rush can show you that they can get there with four specifically. We know Todd Bowles likes the blitz. He's going to blitz. Devin White, Levante David, Anton Winfield Jr. Like those guys are going to blitz, but just have to hope they can get there with four. Because if they can't, it, it could be a pretty long day for the Bucks defense. Yeah, Gio, uh, Joe Tryon Shoyinka, one of the guys who had mentioned uh, wanting to get home, bringing pressure with four. But for him in particular, he is a guy who struggled the most last year and the year before with just missing the home run play, right? Like getting there, but not finishing the play, getting to the quarterback, uh, but not bringing him down to the ground for the sack. So I think for a guy like Joe Tryon Shoyinka, going to be watching him a lot this year and hoping that, you know, those are the plays that you talk about. Leaving stuff like that out on the field is what they're going to watch on film the next day. And it's what potentially wins or loses you football games in the NFL. So Wanted to ask you one more question on the defensive side of the ball before we start to wrap up. We'll drop some score predictions and then get out of here. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety position. We mentioned him briefly. He is a starter. Made his way back to the team this week, coming off of the injury report. I have to think the way that he's going to be used in the defense this year with the absence of Sean Murphy bunting and the Bucks having to shuffle some guys around in that safety room... Do you think what we see from Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be a little bit different this year? I, you know, I, I want to expect maybe we see him in pass coverage a little bit more. Um, how, how do you think they're going to use him to help try and slow down uh, this Minnesota offensive attack on Sunday? You know, it's tough because he, he was the nickel last year. Um, like they used him as their nickel corner basically last year. And Todd Bowles said he wanted to move him back to free safety position because he wanted him to have more opportunities to be a playmaker and, and, you know, make plays on the ball. But in this matchup in particular, like, do you really want Christian Isian covering one of these guys? Like, you know, I, I don't know. In this matchup in particular, it may be best to play Antoine Winfield there. I, I am curious to see how they deploy him, whether he's going to stay in a natural safety spot. I think it may depend on the situation, uh, like situational football, but um, that's something I am curious to see. Just Is Todd Bowles going to stick to his word? That, like, yeah, like this guy is a free safety. Like He played free safety in 2020 and 2021. We tried to move him down to the nickel in 2022. He was a good player, but like just didn't make as many plays on the ball. So they're hoping he can do that a little bit more this uh, season at the free safety position. And I don't know. It is, it is a very interesting because again, that inexperience factor with Christian Isian being there and him being your, your starting nickel, I guess is something to monitor. Like our team's going to just constantly attack Christian Isian is he going to be up to the test? Like, is he going to be up to that? And if he's not, like, you may have to either put, like, a D Delaney there or or move Anton Winfield Jr. down there. Like, you may not want to, but you may have to. So uh, I am curious to see, one, how, how will they deploy Winfield, but also how Christian Izian does because this is going to be uh, – you're going to get some welcome to the NFL moments, I think, for a couple of Bucks players throughout the season. I mean, they got so many undrafted free agents, so many rookies, so many first- or second-year players that, like, there's going to be some moments where the inexperience is going to show, and it's going to frustrate a lot of fans but uh, inexperience is inexperience, quite, quite frankly. Give me your score prediction for week one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road against the Minnesota Vikings, who will be wearing their throwback uniforms and mm-hmm. favored by six. Last time I checked, FanDuel. What do you got for this game? Yeah, you know, the line at six, like, it's a fine line. I would think that's probably the max 
though. Like, if the Buccaneers are going to lose, I think it's going to be a close game. Like, yeah. I, I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, checking DraftKings now, uh, it's actually uh, Vikings are actually minus five and a half now. So the line has adjusted slightly on DraftKings. Um, but um, we mentioned the season predictions and, like, Unfortunately, like the season prediction show and these first few game preview shows will probably line up prediction wise, right? Because like not much is going to change between now and then. No, it could, right? It definitely could after it's, this it's game ha- per se, happened. but it's happened. Um, but what, yeah, I just think week one going into Minnesota, if this game was in Tampa, I'd feel a little bit better about it. I think going into Minnesota, playing this offense, when the Buccaneers are trying to figure themselves out on offense, uh, I just don't know if it's a great recipe. So I think the Vikings are going to win. I do think the Buccaneers will cover on either DraftKings or FanDuel because I think the the Vikings will win 24-20. to Okay. Very close to my score prediction, which is funny. I, I also have Minnesota winning this game. Uh, I, I referenced the combustible elements on this Buccaneers football team, and number one on that list is is going to be an experience. Um, with or without Cody Malk, I think there's going to be some hiccups on this offensive line that we will see week one. Uh, also, just a correction, by the way, Aaron Stinney, the likely fill-in backup, uh, as opposed to Nick Leverett, according to Todd Bowles today, talking to the media. Um, but you could probably interchange those guys. Nick Leverett, Aaron Stinney, they're going to be your backup linemen on hand. But I just I, I just don't think they're going to be there yet. Um, you know, I think there's too much freshness going on. Like, this is a, this is a defense that's been together for a while, and, and we talk about them. We talk about consistency on that side of the ball because this is the fourth year they're going into that Todd Bull system. So a lot of the guys who have been here know that system well. They've communicated that. They've had years upon, well, I don't want to say years upon years, but they've had almost four years now to communicate a lot of what they still do on that defense. The offensive side of the ball, new quarterback, new running back room, new playbook, new offensive line, um, a lot of new wide receivers just because you kind of expected to go into this game with Russell Gage, but now you got a couple of undrafted free agents who made the team. Trey Palmer still very much could be an option, but we don't know what he's going to look like in the regular season it's just the uncertainty, uh, not only the week one uncertainty, but the uncertainty of where the Bucks are as a team. And we're going to find out a little bit of that this week, but I don't think it'll be enough for them to beat the Vikings. They will have to pull off the upset, and I just don't think it happens. But 21-24 was my final score prediction. I think the Bucks lose this one by three. There you go. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be close. Um, I think I, the I defense think that... is going to be in a better spot than a lot of people expect. Like, I, I don't know about the pass rush, but I think they're going to do a decent job at uh, not slowing down Justin Jefferson per se, but slowing down all those other guys. Because if Justin Jefferson has 125 yards, but everyone else has 50 and you walk out with a win, then like that, that's a win. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of yardage he had at the end of the week. I, I think the defense will be in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, you know, with trying to work in a brand new offense, brand new quarterback, reshuffled off its line, and even trying to work in some new pieces on defense, like I just think it's it's a tough ask. I mean, th- this Minnesota team, I don't think they're not going to be as good as they were last year. Like they're not going thirteen and four. Like they were eleven and zero or something in one score games last year. That's going to turn. Like you're not going to go in eleven and zero again in one score games. So like they won't be as good as they were last year. Uh, they, I don't even think they win the division. I, I still think you know. I think. I expressed this before. Like, I think Detroit does. Obviously, last night was a big win for them, but, like, Detroit didn't look great. Um, I just think that right now, week one, Minnesota just has a bit too much for the Buccaneers to handle. I think there's a chance that the Bucs could go in there and, and pull off the upset. I, I no, no, there's, there's definitely a chance. I mean, if you're – and like I said, if you're looking at that spread, I, I would take – Plus five and a half or, or plus six. Like oh, I would. And like there is there is certainly a chance like that the Buccaneers could win this game. Like because I, I don't think the Vikings are some powerhouse team. It's not like you know, it's not like they're starting their season in San Francisco or starting their season in Buffalo, you know, two of the road games that they have. Or honestly, like 
I think I'd give them more of a chance in this game than I would week four against New Orleans. Oh, yeah, like, I, I think like, so. I, I, I think they, they have a bigger chance to upset the Vikings here than they do the Saints in New Orleans. So um, the Buccaneers definitely could. We're not saying they don't have a, a shot. I mean, I picked them to lose by four. You picked them to lose by three. Very, very small margin there. So um, I, I am curious and excited to see what this Buccaneers team is going to look like, whether it's good or bad. Excited to see it. Yeah, I'm excited that football is back. We get to see our beloved boys in red and pewter don the uniforms again and uh, take on the Vikings this Sunday. One more thing before we go. Um, I need to say something just about Mike Williams, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver who is currently in critical condition after suffering an accident uh, on a local construction site. He is at St. Joe's Hospital in Tampa. The initial reports were that he passed away, but it turns out that is not the case. I guess somebody, the Buffalo reporter who tweeted it out, jumped the gun. He has since apologized, but the family made it clear that he is still in the hospital in critical condition. Uh, I don't know what kind of breakthrough he had, but I guess there was something at some point this week that gave people something to uh, to hold out hope for. So obviously wishing the best for Mike Williams. You know, it, it's crazy thinking back to that era of Bucks football. I think Greg Allman put this stat out there, but... You know, the 2012 Bucks wide receivers, the top two receivers on that team were Vincent Jackson and Mike Williams. And we know that Mike Williams had that tremendous rookie season in 2010, you know, 11 touchdowns, almost a thousand yards. I think he finished as an offensive rookie of the year finalist, played the rest of his career in Buffalo after leaving Tampa Bay, I think spent like a cup of coffee with Kansas City. Um, but we just want to wish him the best. You know, I, I have a lot of fond memories watching Mike Williams play football and uh, hoping he's able to find a way to to pull through this. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I started watching the Bucks in 2011, but like I was watching them in 2011, but like wasn't really paying that close of attention. When I started to pay really close attention was 2012, and that was dude. I love that offense. Like yeah. you know, Josh Freeman and and Doug Martin his rookie year, and uh, but then you had the two receivers, and I thought like. Vincent Jackson and Mike Williams were like the best wide receiver do it. Like I was like 11 years old. So I was like, this is great. I was like, these guys are like the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Like they might've been top 10, but they weren't the best. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of, just like you said, a lot of fond memories of Mike Williams uh, in, in a Buccaneers uniform, really hope he's able to, to push through here. Um Pro, not looking great right now, but not all hope is lost. Um, and hopefully, just you know, um, able, able to able to come through because it would be just so sad uh, to to lose both Mike Williams and Vincent Jackson before they're even forty. Like they're not even weren't even forty, and uh, in what about a two and a half year span would would, would pretty much lose both of them, and that would really be unfortunate. So. Hopefully Mike, uh, Mike Evans, hopefully, sorry, hopefully Mike Williams uh, pulls through, uh, praying for him, of course, praying for his family and everything. Uh, and and we, we will see. And, um, you know, if, if we have any updates, uh, we, we will update you guys. Uh, but right now, that's that's just the latest thing we got. And like I said, like you said, there was a, a report that he had died. Uh, that port was a little bit premature. He is on life support. It's not looking great but he is still alive. So uh, that's all you can hope for right now. And hopefully he, he can hold on because like, I'm sure there's a lot of Bucks fans listening to this right now that are thinking of a lot of Mike Williams memories. So um, there is a, there's a lot of fun ones. Absolutely. I think it was his first NFL touchdown was the, the tip one against Cleveland, right? Yeah. 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 That was crazy. But Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you to everybody who watched us live on YouTube. Uh, San Antogado, I hope I said that correctly, probably not. Evan Blythe, Christopher Cole, Zach Jarvis, Willie Beeman in the Mod Squad holding it down. Our buddy Mikey Kelly, thank you guys so much. Chizu Mazu, really appreciate you guys. Subscribe for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content and podcast just like this one. The next time we talk to you, will be Sunday, immediately following the game. We will be live right here, youtube.com forward slash Fire podcast with our first of the season Tampa Bay Buccaneers call-in show. Uh, we are basically turning our reaction podcast 
into a reaction podcast that includes you guys. We will have an exclusive number for that week's episode. You can give us a call and uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Anything this week or next? Yeah, actually, um, on BucksNation.com, sat down with um, Christopher Gates of Daily Norseman, who is the Vikings uh, site runner, basically. And we're going to be doing this all season, uh, a Q&A uh, about the necessarily the, the, the Vikings, Um or about the, the matchup. So go check that out. It's on Bucks Nation right now, BucksNation.com. Uh, also going to have an X Factor player to watch um, every week as well. So yeah, go, go check that out. And uh, yeah, well, not just me, but we got a lot of fun uh, and exciting coverage coming up for, for the site. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R H E T T. AKUS, if you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you Sunday after the game. Thank you, folks, once again for checking out this week's game preview. A pleasure, as always, to have you listening live on YouTube. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.